Hi, and thanks for joining us this week for yet another episode of Differential Diagnosis, where we're differentially diagnosing every single episode of House MD. My name's Harvey, and I'll be co-hosting the episode, and I'll be co-hosting the episode with Gaz. Hi, nice to be back. There you go, we're just two friends who love House. Uh, Gaz started watching it like this year. Uh, I watched it several years ago, and so... With two different perspectives, we thought we'd come at it, revisit the show, and and chat about it some more. And this week, we'll be analysing the uh, eighth, ninth episode of season one, DNR, Do Not Resuscitate. Yeah, um, this is a really, really interesting episode. Also, it's the first one to be written by the medical consultant for the show, David Foster, MD, Um which I think is interesting to bring up. I think at this point he was part-time uh, writer on this and like a consultant at the same time. But I'm sure it's something that David Shaw can uh, clarify if it needs be. He can always get in touch with us, of course. Um, there you go. But That's why Gaz is here for the research, because I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just digging through some hyperlinks on the wiki, but... Hey, since you found that house wiki, you are uh, you are using it like the fine resource that it is. House.fandom.com. We're not sponsored <laughs> by them, by the way. We just use them as a resource. Um, but once again, we're open to it. Open to it. Any kind of sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> you complete chill. I'll never do it. I'll never surrender. <laughs> I bet by like episode, like. Season four, episode twenty, we'll be doing like <laughs> CBD oil uh, adverts. What's the thing? I I was actually thinking about this because I don't really care about this. We just enjoy doing the podcast. It's just really nice to be able to talk about this, yeah. Um, and just like talk about house. But uh, I don't really know where ads would go <laughs> in this. <laughs> we'd find because we because because it's not structured. So we just like. Like the whole thing is that we watch an episode while it's going on, we talk about it, and then we we make notes about what we want to talk about, but we try and keep it as organic as possible. And um, I don't know, we just have to cut it really awkwardly in the middle of a conversation. Like, oh, uh, click this link for 10% of your latest CBD oil, and then it would go back to us just talking normally. No, you'd also have to do a testimonial and say, look, I've been trying the CBD oil for 10 years, and... (laughs) <laughs> well, it's transformed my life, um, and you can get it here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and you'd have to do it with, like, bumper music. So halfway through, like, a non... You'd have to do, like, a non-secateur, like, cut with, like, some bumper music and then talk about how, um, you know, razors have changed your life or, you know... Oh, I'm I'm not a connoisseur of wine, uh, but these guys are. You should try their wine. And now I drink it all the time. Oh, I'm drunk now. The wine is really effective. Uh, it'd be just that. So it's something we need to think about. We need to be thinking about shilling ourselves. That's true. Shilling our souls. Uh, well, well. Um, as I say, I'm, 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 I'm not sure it would work. But I'm not not open to the idea. So <laughs> get in touch. Yeah, please. But get in uh, touch. before that, let's uh, instead of shilling some products, let's shill our amazing analysis of House MD season one, episode nine, DNR. Um. So, the synopsis 
of this, which is from house.fandom.com. DNR is a first season episode of House, which first aired on February the 1st, 2005. God, that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. I know. I was, I think, 15. No, about 16. I was just about to turn uh, 16. I was 15 at so the time. So you could legally watch this because it's 15 rated. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. Did, would, did those ratings transfer over? Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm going to restart the uh, synopsis because I got yeah. I completely sidetracked myself. DNR is a first season episode of House, which first aired on February 1st, 2005. I was 15 at the time. A famous musician played by Harry J. Lennox um, with ALS loses all hope when he realises he can no longer play his trumpet. However, House doubts the ALS diagnosis is correct and encourages Foreman to pursue an aggressive course of treatment when House defies the patient's do not resuscitate order and is kept away from the patient. He still won't let the matter go. Yeah. I'm very thankful for the ice bucket challenge because I now know what ALS is. Yeah, um, it's not a good one. It's a it's it's famously named after the Yankee um, baseball player Lou Gehrig, which is a refer referred to in the um, the show, um, as he was perhaps the, the most prominent uh, sufferer of this horrible progressive debilitating disease wow yeah you were i didn't know that either that's really interesting oh, glad to glad to bring it up well we've got a lot to unpack so let's get on with it So this is a uh, um, it's a musical episode of House. House is a musician. So I think this is probably the first uh, time that... Because um, I believe the patient in the fictional world is quite a, a famous trumpet player who is... Uh, uh, a band is trying to get him on their... Um, to, like, play on their album. And they're not sure whether or not he's going to turn up for the recording or not, which he does because he's sort of basically retired because of this ALS diagnosis that he's received from another doctor. And um, yes, but this is quite an interesting episode, at least in the fact that House is actually enthusiastic to meet the patient because he respects him. So it's uh, it's nice that they chose a musician because we've worked out based on uh, just House that he is a he, he's a he's a great musician, which is pretty much comes from the fact that Hugh Laurie who plays him is also a very talented musician so it would make sense to it it would be a waste to not use Hugh Laurie's like uh, musical talents in the show yeah I, and i also think that um it also plays to the uh, one of the base basic components of house is sherlock holmes and sherlock holmes was a prolific vi violinist 
um, and you see that in the uh, Arthur Conan Doyle books. Um, so I think also there's an interesting part to this, which is um, House is sympathetic to artists. He likes artists particularly, so they don't compromise with their art. And I think that's a parallel with what how House treats medicine, or at least yeah. his gift. It's something that gets brought up in dialogue between um, Giles and House. Yeah, the um, yeah the patient and him have a conversation about their obsession to their art, his being music and House's being medicine. But um, yeah, it's it it's it's a nice touch. Like there's, I I know that we in the last episode, if you listened to it, we were quite oh I was a bit more negative about <laughs> the setup and how much more basic it was in terms of like just the patients. I thought they were a bit flat. I didn't think there was any real drama, but. You can immediately tell from the moment this is set up that he's a musician, he's sort of losing his craft, but the music's all that he lives for. And there's immediately an obvious parallel with House. Yeah. And you can tell from the first two minutes of the show that, right, there's there's something here, there's something to work with. Yeah. And um yeah, it's it's refreshing to see that again. Uh it makes the last episode feel more like a bit of a blip than anything, because they can clearly do it like I think there's been like four or five episodes already out of the nine, which have been pretty great in terms of their um, utilizing the house formula to their best. Also, I like the fact that Harry Lennox is in this. He's a really good actor. Uh, it's like a kind of bit of a celebrity cameo because he, I think by this time he'd been prominent in the Matrix um, sequels. Um, Who did he play in the Matrix? He played the general in Zion. Oh yeah, the giant I was trying to think where I remembered him robots. from. Yeah, but that's him. He's also a really good actor, and I re it's a nice little cameo that um, he brings a lot of depth to the character. He's and he's kind of, in an acting sense, on par with what Hugh Laurie's trying to portray as well. They're kind of the characters are mirrors of each other, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it's um. Yeah, and it's uh, it's. I mean, obviously, the casting department for House is great, yeah. and they should always cast the best actors. But he, like, this episode turns up a lot in people's like. If you look at a list of people's favorite House episodes, DNR turns up a lot, yeah. which is very impressive. That people's favorite episode is like the ninth one they ever made out of like 173. <laughs> yeah, and it, um, but I think a lot of that is for um, is his name ha Harry Lennox. Harry Lennox, yeah. Yeah, like his performance is fantastic. Yeah. And um yeah, he really like helps carry that episode. He seems to like really portray a kind of Halcyon uh obsessive artist very well. Yeah. And um uh, it's 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 good as well because when there's a bad actor in house it really stands out because the cast are incredible. Yeah. But yeah. the regular casting will just show it all up really well. I think yeah, the other like, and just casting aside, I think the other thing about it is is that it's showing a character with a similar temperament to House, but as in life, people with similar temperaments can analyse other people with similar temperaments really well. They can see clearly into another character or another person, even if they're blind to their own issues. But in this case, yeah, he acts like a bit like a mirror rather than... It's not... It's not like there's no friction between the two of them apart from the DNR order. There's like a synergy between the two characters, between House and Giles. 
Yeah, and and House at no point. So um, I don't. If people don't know what a DNR is, I mean, you learn it in the episode. But if you just have forgotten, it's uh, yeah, it's just a you can sign a, a do not resuscitate order, which means that when you basically go into shock or stop breathing, that they can't legally bring you back. And um, House does ignore that DNR because it's some crazy stuff that House does. He doesn't respect the rules. Yeah. But um, but an important thing about that is that under any other circumstances when a patient signs a dnr house would be like oh you're an idiot you're an idiot he often like a couple of times that people have refused treatment he just goes in and says you're being ridiculous um in the first episode with the teacher he just says she's being irrational in the fifth episode uh sixth episode damned if you do with the nun he just says you're just being stupid and like thinking that you're going to go to heaven but that's a stupid reason to die in this one though he he doesn't call him stupid he like respects him. He says, "Yeah, he only wants to die because he's received a, a, a like a ALS diagnosis, a which is a death sentence." But he never says that he's making. Uh, he he never says he's being stupid. He just says it's a bad decision. Uh, yeah, he's only making that decision based on the ALS diagnosis. Mm. But he's not saying that he's being stupid. He actually says he's being completely rational given the circumstances. It's just that the circumstances aren't correct. Yeah, and it's uh, it's nice to see House approach like a patient more on that level like we've had a lot of just house just going oh you're an idiot i'm a genius that's it <laughs> but it's nice to see a bit more complexity from house that like he respects people's work he like can talk to people more on the same level um but I, but i guess like a problem with the writers is that because they've established house as that that he like feels he's so above everyone that he kind of treats everyone like that mm. because everyone is below him. So it's nice that they've written a character who is on the same level of House so we can kind of have a glimpse into him being more, like, normal. Uh. And also, I'd like to think... You can see House is playing his is playing Charles's records. So he's trying to get a sense of the respect that he has for him. He, he admires his art. He listens to the art. He analyzes the art. But the really interesting thing is, is that I think, apart from the DNR note, note order, that's kind of a red herring for the conflict within this episode. There is no conflict between patient and house. The real conflict in this episode is between foreman and house. That is yeah. front and center of this episode. Yeah, and it's um, people who listened to the last episode that we did will know that there was... There, I mean, there's always been a conflict between House and Foreman. And last episode, they tried to establish that Foreman is worried he's becoming like House. But Foreman is very driven. He wants to be a great doctor. He just doesn't want to be like House. And I noted that I thought that was quite lazily done <laughs> by showing that Foreman and like House dress the same. Uh, and I was like hoping that they could have made it more like an ideological comparison to the two and this episode actually does that yeah you got what you wanted <laughs> i did and it was possible i mean i know that it was probably a lot to ask for in that episode as well but yeah i mean you could you could have skipped that episode and come straight to here and gotten a perfectly like well-written foreman house comparison um which is done using the um done using Giles, the musician Giles's other doctor, who is a previous associate of Foreman's. Yeah, um, Dr. Guess, do you want to unwrap the situation? 
with that because the it's not actually house who's been asked to help giles um what's happened is uh giles is uh like current doctor who's like you know diagnosed him with als and all these things has said um has actually forwarded him on to foreman because he knows foreman and foreman used to work for him so house isn't actually involved in this house isn't the boss which is um quite an interesting power play yeah. because it's really foreman deciding whether to listen to um marty who's the uh giles's current doctor or house who has nothing to do with the case but he respects house even though he doesn't want to give that away yeah and i i and the other thing about it is the the friction culminates with the conflict between um foreman who wants to adhere to the dnr notice and house who does not and is uh, house is utterly unrepentant about what he did even though he knows it's legally assaulting the patient he doesn't see it that way he doesn't see it as assault he sees it as saving the life of someone um and but the the interesting part of that scene where there's that crisis is that foreman challenges him but doesn't stop him he's unable yeah. to stop house even though foreman is de facto in charge of this case which you see in like one of the establishing uh shots where they're going through all the symptoms of why giles has had this attack where foreman is standing up and writing down all the bits and trying to figure it out and leading the discussion house is there just bouncing his cane and balancing it on it on his face in absolute boredom yeah absolutely so much power how... there's so much that power dynamic is always fluctuating a little bit and they're both chafing at it but i think the fact that foreman couldn't stop him he just says you can't do this and he just did it yeah yeah completely i i also like the, the so basically house very quickly giles like I don't, he stops breathing and house breaks the dnr really quickly and i quite like that the dnr isn't um it, it isn't used as like a dramatic thing at the end so like house breaks the dnr house immediately breaks the dnr yeah it's just which um as you say like it it sets up a lot of the conflict of the episode but it also very quickly as you say shows foreman doesn't do anything he just says you can't do this because i think secretly foreman this kind of shows the internal conflict is even though like foreman agrees with the dr marty that yes this person has asked for a dnr and it's completely fine and all patient like all patient like you know wants should be respected when house starts breaking it foreman doesn't stop him because foreman is also agreeing with that other philosophy of house is that you're a doctor you're there to treat them and sustaining life and solving problems is what's most important well he won't and he also wants to keep the pro in a in a Houseian way, House wants to keep the problem alive so that he can solve it. Yeah, and that's another thing that also gets brought up later on in the episode with a discussion between Wilson and House. But we'll get to that. But and also there's internal, like you say, you've just alluded to. Thing is, there's an internal conflict for Foreman. He's conflicted between the more general, the more the the kind of typical way a doctor is supposed to conduct themselves in terms of ethics which is what dr hamilton is it hamilton 
Yeah, Ma- that's Marty. Yeah, Marty. Hamilton. Let's call him Hamilton Marty from now. Marty kind of embodies and also the, his own struggle against wanting to solve the problem, wanting to keep the problem going so that it can be solved. So there's an internal conflict within Foreman to do that, the house and the the Marty conflict. <laughs> and then you've got the external emulation or what you would say emulation conflict between house and form and it goes on he's never really in an external conflict against hamilton at all or marty sorry at all but yeah he he like obviously we we've noted in other episodes that house is dismissive of other doctors because he thinks they're very like occupational whereas he's kind of like he does like it as a, a way of life he's a doctor because it's a way of life and he loves it he doesn't do it as a job necessarily. And um, yeah, he's like dismissive of Hamilton or Marty. But um, it's actually Foreman being caught in the middle where the real drama is. It's not just House being rude to Marty that makes it interesting. It's the way Foreman kind of balances them both. And it, it's quite interesting as well because Foreman is polite to Marty. Um, but he's rude to House. Yeah. But at no point does he just say to House like... Yeah, at no point does he... But you note that at no point he just says to House, look, why don't you go away? I hate you. I'm not working with you. Like he's rude to House, but it's not because he hates House. It's just because that's the kind of thing that House allows. So it's actually it's actually interestingly, the way he talks to Marty is actually the dishonest way. Yeah. Like that's the weirder way. Like, in any other situation, if a character was being nice to someone and horrible to someone else, you would say, oh, the being horrible to someone else is the more, like, negative, like, um, kind of bad, uh, like, social situation. But actually, the way that Foreman's nice to Marty, he's actually pretending. He doesn't really feel that way. Yeah. Like, him and the house arguing is actually more real (laughs) uh, and more true to what Foreman wants. Like, he doesn't want this nice doctor life that Marty's trying to set up for him. He actually wants that house way of life. And the episode is Foreman struggling with that and coming to terms with that. Well, he he doesn't know. He's also torn between the prestige element. So Mm. um, Foreman and I'm going to call him Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, let's call him Hamilton. (laughs) Go into... um, go for lunch they're recounting how they went to the cigar bar and had a cigar and drank some probably amazing drinks and just regaling their past stories with each other and they're all these kind of materialistic superficial well for house superficial experiences it's not about the medicine it's never about the truth it's always about do you remember when we did this do you remember when we did this paper when we did this research it's all very ex- it's external um it's external values right mm. Into, instead of, like it's all about acquisition of prestige and wealth and um recognition whereas house never wants those things he wants internal he has internal intrinsic values that's it what marty hamilton kind of exemplifies is ex- the ex- exterior or extrinsic sorry extrinsic values that one can pursue in that vocation going to the cigar bar having a good cigar having a good 
<laughs> whiskey and all that sort of stuff and presenting yeah. papers and getting recognition and doing lectures <clears throat> and everything and those extrinsic values are what he thinks is the vocation of a medic on top of saving lives whereas for house he lives a very insular and very small world he inhabits that but he's the master of that world and it's in pursuit of the intrinsic values such as truth they're things in and of themselves rather than for another mean for a means to an end for him solving a patient's problem is not a means to a research paper for him it's in itself a means to its to an end which has its own pathologies because he's an obsessive he's antisocial he doesn't pursue things for frivolous means and that's a, the in my opinion the central conflict is between extrinsic values and intrinsic values and the good and bad of those things are exemplified by those two characters that are trying to vie for foreman's soul as it were <laughs> yeah and you, and you alluded to it before with wilson and the house exchange but wilson uh says to house oh you don't have the messiah complex you have the rubik's complex yeah and doctors are traditionally said to have a messiah complex yeah because it's about the you know the the prestige of helping people saving other it's like people this very human connection thing whereas the rubik's complex just says oh it's a problem to be solved and that's kind of sums up the difference i mean there's there's all these elements of the kind of like materialistic elements and the social elements of being a doctor that it's a prestigious thing which um foreman grapples with but it's that extra like it's the it's the messiah complex rubik's complex like dichotomy like do you want this to be about healing or do you want this to be about like solving a problem and making a difference and there are good and bad elements to that in both ways and they get explored yeah. throughout the entire course of the season we see the pathologies yeah. of house absolutely come and out. foreman foreman wants both he wants to both, a, he wants everything yeah. But, he, yeah he wants to be he wants to be like the sweetness of of hamilton but the like calculating of house and what he actually learns by even you kind of see the way he tries to walk the social tightrope of talking to them and he utterly fails mm. because what you discover at the end of this episode i mean Possibly there could be a middle ground, but Foreman certainly doesn't find it. Foreman realizes he has to choose. Yeah. He's in the worst. He's been asked to choose between pursuing it in this kind of professional way. He, because Foreman wants to be in a position of authority. He really desires that. And for good reasons, because he thinks he's a good doctor and he deserves to be... He thinks he deserves to be able to do that. His, he mm. thinks he has the means and the capacity to do it. He wants to pursue it. And he's been given two alternative paths. But they're two very extreme paths, right? There's one guy who just does the kind of rubber chicken circuit. Oh, I'm doing these lectures this year or whatever. And House is like, I don't do lectures or anything. I just, I don't even barely visit the patients. I treat them <laughs> as problems and... Try and save their lives. Leave me alone. Absolutely. So he's in a bit of like a... He's in a very difficult situation. Yeah. Well, so another another interesting element. Now, these are our favourite episodes. 
we notice this with the Socratic method that it's when the medicine and the human drama like uh, uh, equal to each other. They kind of um, <clears throat> they kind of you know communicate. They're thematically tied. Yeah, and um, that turns up with the actual treatment. So within the episode, as 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 you would know, Gaz, it's um that the doctor is treating him like uh, so. Hamilton has already diagnosed it as ALS. House doesn't believe it's ALS, and so um, over time throughout the episode, it turns out the patient is starting to get better. And um, what we find is that it's actually because uh, Hamilton already has treatments going on and House's team have added treatments, we don't know which treatment is working. But House's logic is, oh, it can't be Hamilton's because um, like Hamilton's been running his treatments for years and they haven't worked. And Hamilton just is like to House's team like, They've just like randomly guessed some stuff. It can't possibly be them. Mm. And so it's this nice like, you know, it's this nice like who done it as in who's curing the patient. But what's quite nice after that is that uh, House's team actually then go on to uh, House is like, well, let's remove all of our like uh, treatments and then we'll just add them slowly back in and see which one is working. Whereas Hamilton never actually does that. Hamilton just keeps him on the medicine is like, let's just keep him on it and it will keep working. Yeah. Uh, even though he has no real like logical basis to believe that and it's like through the treatment of the patients you also see the styles like house is back to basics really scientific let's work out the problem hamilton is like the patient's happy the patient's getting better we've run we've got him on some medicine it must be working everything's fine leave it be yeah leave it be and it's like uh it's very I, i'd say it's quite subtle i only really noticed it watching it this time but it's really nice that the actual treatment ties into the like the drama and the methods of both doctors and then foreman has to is still stuck in the middle of that he doesn't really know who to agree with because he's in both conversations with hamilton and house as they both say oh the other person's wrong and then it's really interesting seeing that like evolve and how then it turns out that house you know then goes on to cure the patient which so this episode has a nice ending but um yeah but yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting to see once again this show is doing it really well where it ties the medicine and the human drama together and you know we've talked we spent the entire episode talking about like this foreman story like there's also we, we'll talk about the patient next but there's also the do not resuscitate order which house breaks he then goes to court in order to like face that and then he uses the court system in order to basically um keep the patient alive i think he quotes that he has to face his accuser so even though the patient wants to die because he's being accused by the patient it means that house basically forces him to stay alive through this like you know court process so even though the court process is like house's punishment he just turns it back on and uses people because he's like an insanely calculating man um, well, and there's just so much like there's so much wonderful like storytelling going on here yeah well, what happens is he gets accused of battery because of, he violated the DNR um, order. And basically he says, well, you can't really charge me for something if the person's dead. And I have a right uh, <laughs> because of the Constitution. There's yeah. the Sixth Amendment, which says you have the right to face your accuser. Yeah. And he then uses that as a way to uh, keep him alive. Um the, the one thing, just a very small note, I really like during that DNR scene where House breaks the DNR and um, 
incubates the patient. It's the first time we've seen House do some full hands-on medicine because he's always such a enigmatic mind he's like, always just coming up with solutions. Right. But this is one where he comes in and like, even though he probably hasn't done an incubation in like... Intubation. Um, an intubation, sorry. Mm. Even though he hasn't done an intubation in probably like years, he just comes in and does it like effortlessly. And it's really nice seeing like that there's this um, practical element to House. Like he just has all of these incredible skills hidden that make him a complete doctor yeah and the other thing um, is it, i don't know why i enjoy that i just do we do see some surgical skill when he's dissecting a baby that's true yeah it's just i, I don't know why it's just nice to see when because the entire team refuses to break the rules and he has to do it it's just yeah it's just nice that like you know house is always seen as like he always you know shows himself or presents himself as like the ultimate doctor and, you know, it's just nice that then he can go in a room and completely do a procedure he hasn't done in years. And you're like, OK, he's quite good. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's I mean, it's not really I guess it's characterization in that sense. But it's um, it's just nice to see. Uh, so uh, we're getting to the point where um, there's a some dialogue between Giles and House. Yes, and I think this, this is the is... patient story. Let's talk about the patient story. Carry on, guys. So, you know, he says. Giles says, you know, I've lost the use of my arm. I went to that session where I had the attack with the hope of just seeing if I could still play and things got worse. And now I don't really want to, I don't want to live anymore. And House says, well, are you just a musician? And that's the gateway into a discussion between House's vocation and his and the comparison mm. between the two. And like, what if you lost the ability to be a doctor would you want to live yeah and house actually like pauses for thought about that it's usually in a discussion like house is the one who's attacking the person's like philosophy but it's nice in this mm. one he like he's looking down at the floor he's thinking he's been told what what's up yeah that hasn't happened this is why this patient is so interesting and this is one that really gets under his skin and he, the patient knows house's scenario he doesn't have a wife lives mm. alone he sacrifices certain elements of what could have been a comfortable life for him easily accessible to him just like it is accessible to foreman if he chooses one path or the other and is already accessible to hamilton yet he can't can't do it he could easily become a live a life like that but he can't because then he wouldn't be who he is He'd rather be dead. And there's this, then there's this wonderful scene afterwards. Like they have that emotional discussion where, like, you know, um, Giles tells him, like, you know, if you couldn't be a doctor, you know, you wouldn't want to live. So, you know, why would you like, I don't want to, if I can't be a musician, I don't want to live. And there's like a thoughtful moment and House goes to the door and then he just drags his like <laughs> bed out. And it's like, <laughs> it you're right. I am completely obsessive and insane. And just takes him off to do more treatments. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, even though like Giles is like using the idea that, you know, if he loses his like, if he uses his vocation, then there's no point in living. Yeah. And he thinks that that will convince House that, um you know, he should really like let him die. But then it reinforces House because House is like, well, you've basically just told me that I'm a completely obsessive doctor. So, of course, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a really nice way that the scene twists on itself because it's completely coherent. But after watching it, you really think House has been told. And then he's like, no, 
you've just reinforced my belief system and it, and it's like yeah, yeah that's a it's a really like the way that scenes like twist like that is really nice i think a lesser show would have it as like a moment of reflection mm. but they go straight from that really serious point to just this like it's not comedy i don't know what i would describe it because it's funny but is it like is it like is it like bathos i guess <clears throat> like the the absurdity of the scenario is what makes it funny because yeah like it's not it's not like wacky it's completely within the character but there's something absurd about it that like they have this philosophical conversation about obsession and then obviously because the person who is still functioning is still obsessive he just goes and does something really obsessive yeah <laughs> it's it's really it's really great it's like it's a fantastic scene it's um you know because there's always there is always a a lot of the episodes have a moment where House talks with the patient and, like, House will convince them of something. And, like, you know, they'll, it'll be really dramatic. But this one kind of has that setup where House is being convinced of something and then it just becomes completely comedic afterwards. Yeah. It's a really nice twist on it. It's it's because it's a twist. And he goes, right then, I must do this. Okay, off we go to the MRI scan. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's not at the climax. It's, like, halfway through. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing that's really interesting is um, it's then followed by the the uh, lunch scene between Foreman and Dr. Hamilton, where yeah. it's kind of like, hey, I'm doing the lectures. Uh, here's my life. Uncomplicated, but full of fun. <laughs> well, and it's a it's a great way to, you know, I mean, it's it's the stories interacting. Yeah. Like it's it's not just. You know, that, that entire, like, we spent, like, about, what, 20 minutes talking about the foreman story? Yeah. And then we moved on to the patient story, and then, like, the scenes are edited and constructed in a way to show how those two stories are connected mm. once again. You know, the, the patient story is about obsession. Foreman's is about choosing between a different style of medicine, like, what kind of doctor he wants to be. And, like, but that story is also about obsession. It's like, does the foreman want to be the obsessive doctor like House? And by showing House dragging a patient out for a like emergency MRI to a doctor talking about how he's going to go golfing, yeah, it's just it's it's really well constructed. Like the way that those two um, stories just meld into each other in a way that they seem so disconnected, but just the way the show is put together, they're just so obviously intertwined. And it's really great the way it starts emerging as like a coherent theme about halfway through. Yeah. Um. So now, so now they're doing a radical surgery. So they're doing brain surgery to release a blood clot in his brain. Mm. Um, Which is a this is introduced in a really interesting way because um, they originally wanted to give him some medicine, and the guy's like, "No, I don't want that. It sounds unpleasant." And then Foreman actually comes up with the idea that they should do it surgically because he says, "Either we remove the clot and you're fine, or you die in the process." So it's a win-win. Yeah, and that's actually like. Even though that's kind of it's it's a really weird mixture of the two kind of methods of Hamilton and House. Like Hamilton's behind him going, "Oh, that's that's really great that you've come to a compromise," but that's kind of an insane thing to form and to come up that's with a house because it's thing. so it's so logical. It's so like, oh, it's a win-win. You either die or you live, and it's it's such a house thing to say. But Hamilton, in a way, like approves of it because he sees it as, "Oh, that's good patient care." But it's really not. That's just Foreman trying any trick in the book. He, he missed the point. Which was that Foreman saw the logic 
Yeah. He didn't see this in terms of a compassionate solution. It's just like, well, you get what you want either way. You either get your leg or your arms back or you don't and you get what you want anyway. Win-win. Yeah. But we get to do what we've got to do, which is to resolve the issue or at least try to. Yeah, like as you like Hamilton is thinking, oh, that's great, but yeah, he's completely missed the point. It's a coldly logical thing to say. Yeah, the thing it's basically like the equivalent of like Pascal's wager. Yeah, it's like Pascal's wager. For anyone who doesn't know, is that the idea that you should believe in God just because if God exists when you die, then you know you can at least maybe go to heaven. <laughs> Whereas if you die not believing in God and God does exist, then only bad things can happen, and you don't really lose anything believing in God. And that's kind of it. Like, but it's a very it's a very bad reason to believe in God because there's no real like faith there. It's just coldly logical. Like, oh, maybe I'll maybe, you know, it's the it's the best way for you to have a positive outcome. Yeah. There's no like actual belief there. Whereas and that's kind of what that is. He's mm. like, it could be mistaken for having a human side, but it's actually not. It's just a really cold way of looking at the utilitarian. situation. Utilitarian. It's a very yeah, exactly. utilitarian it, way of looking at it. It's like you get what you want whenever you, you yeah. get something and, that you want. Either way, <laughs> why would you? Why would you resist? Yeah, foreman's wager. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, you also see this idea of um, Hamilton saying, "Oh, you know, maybe the medication is reversing the ALS, which makes means that I'm going to write another research paper." And he sees it as uh, his treatment and House's treatment are in competition with each other. But actually, House doesn't care about that competition. It's not after something as a result of the treatment. He just wants to solve the problem. He's not looking for other outputs. And Hamilton has completely misconceived how House thinks about things. And see, thinks he thinks about things exactly the same way as he does. Because they're both described as good doctors. Yeah, because House House has said this before in the because um, people have said, oh, House, you don't care about the patient. But he says that's a good thing because I'm only thinking about solving the problem. And as you say, like people see the way House deals with the patient as insincere and like, you know, really like disrespectful. But then you have Hamilton, who would popularly be seen as like a nice doctor who's very empathetic but he's actually talking about what he can get from the case. Like House never talks about gaining anything from a case. He's just like, let's just solve it and get on with the next one. Yeah. Whereas Hamilton, as you say, is like, oh, I could write another paper, which it's, is way more disingenuous. It's but, um, way more transactional. But, yeah. Well, no, it's, actually, it, it's just transactions of a different kind. You know, Hamilton is looking for a transaction that's extrinsic, right? Like I say, yeah. something material for something material. I fix you, I get something back, which is... yeah. The Messiah complex, but also prestige <laughs> or whatever. House is like, I solve your problem, you get better, and you get to live. And what I get out of it is I solve a problem that's bugging me because it's interesting. So now we're getting to the point where where he's getting worse. Yes, yeah, so they've now removed all the medicine. Oh, House has removed all of his medicine. And uh, um, Hamilton hasn't removed any of his medicine. So pretty much proving that House's medicine was making the difference. 
But Hamilton just didn't do anything because he was just confident. So kind of showing up Hamilton in that way. And um, yeah, and then what's nice is then the team kick into action. This is when they start introducing the medicines and uh, eventually solve the case and solve his disability. Yeah, they wrap it all it up very AMS. quickly in short succession. You always find that when at the late stage of an episode, when all the team comes together, you're just like, yeah, they're getting to the end now. Yeah. Like that 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 court case sequence is um like it plays a key role in the episode and it's like it's a really like shows how house will like twist any circumstance to uh to his benefit. He even uh at one point like diagnoses the judge with heart disease. Fabricates a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. He fabricates yeah, he... a diagnosis. Yeah, he he fabricates a diagnosis, which at first you think, wow, House is being really genuine and nice and using those talents. But it just turns out that House was just once again making the judge distracted by thinking about how he might die soon (laughs) in order (laughs) to get away with it. And it's um, but yeah, that's like a huge subplot to just chuck in. And then it turns out that actually because uh, Giles wants to die, he actually drops the case, the court case. And then House is just allowed to operate him again. So it's kind of um, but it's 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 kind of a subplot that doesn't really go anywhere but it's integral because it allows um house to force giles to be kept alive and kind of shows how house will twist any situation into his favor so it's um but yeah like compared to like last episode where it was just like a very simple they're just looking around like and you you kind of think oh in a 40 minute runtime like how much can you actually do and then a sh- an episode like this comes and actually, you can do loads in a 40-minute runtime. Like, loads of stuff happens in this. The fact there's, a, like, there's clinic scenes, there's, like, an entire, like, court case subplot. Like, there's a lot going on in exactly the same runtime. Like, and it shows, like, just with tight writing and good pacing, you can do a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the climax of this scene, it's not the the heel, the, the patient getting better. It's the conflict between Foreman and House in House's office. Yeah. No, go, go on. We'll go. He had to share your thoughts on it because it's a great scene. He says, you know, you make a mistake, I hold you accountable. I'm not going to make you feel good because <laughs> you made a mistake, even if you made a good mistake, even if it was a mistake that was inspired and it was innovative and interesting. And he says you should feel great because you did something great, but you should feel also crap because you did something wrong. So you do something great doesn't mean that it's going to be right. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a he kind of points out how <clears throat> while Foreman feels like he's more emotionally nurtured by Hamilton, uh, you can tell in their exchanges, like the way they kind of chuckle politely at each other's jokes and sort of, you know, just talk about the social element that there's an element of Foreman being insincere and faking it. Um. And and House is kind of pointing out that actually, even though he's meaner, it's the Hamilton approach, which is more insincere. Like Hamilton you know doesn't really care much for the patients in any meaningful way and when he like you know he doesn't yell at foreman because he doesn't care like house yells at foreman and treats him like shit when he makes a mistake because he's like it matters you should feel bad yeah whereas Whereas the thing about hamilton is he'd say yeah you did something really interesting you did something really great you know pat on the back you did something inspired you might get a raise yeah (laughs) or (laughs) Uh, but what if, the, and the patient died anyway? It's like with this ALS treatment they've been given. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. 
good, right? He was trying his yeah. best to reverse it, but it, it didn't help the patient either way. He just had the same condition and then he died, right? Yeah, or would have because died. Hamilton was happy to give him the ALS diagnosis, which was just a death sentence, and be like, oh, well, let's just rub our hands with it. At least we have an answer. But the house was never happy with that. He was like, well, if it's wrong, it's wrong. There's no way. And if you do swing that's wrong, you might... You have to work hard to correct it, and also, you've got to. You've got to get it right. You've got to make it right. You have to solve it. You can't just walk away from those things. And say, oh, okay. And that's the difference. And I think Foreman in that moment realizes it. And then, just as that discussion between House and Foreman concludes, the cure presents itself. It's as if. It's as if them talking it out, them resolving that issue, hit House telling him why he's so hard on Foreman, why he's so hard on Foreman, cures the cures the patient in a way. Well, yeah, because it's 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 almost in Foreman's mind he decides which method is better, and then in real life, the optimum method presents itself as the winner. It's like in. It, it it's it's like in like the abstract sense the method presents itself as better and then that um is replicated in reality it's just this final argument like not only does house convince foreman but house you know convinces reality <laughs> that the method is better because it works yeah and that's all that matters what matters is being right mm. so we get into the end of the episode and we have this we have this amazing little interaction between Giles and House, which kind of just tops off the whole episode. It just propels it even higher because it gives us some clue as to as to who House is in some way. Hmm. Um and and Giles says, you know, you've always been an asshole. <laughs> even before you had the leg problem. Um, and then House says, well, yeah, well, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but then what happens is, is Giles says, well, you're in pe- do you take those painkillers all the time? How many do you take? And House kind of tries to explain him taking the painkiller saying I'm in pain and Joel says well we're all in pain and I think that's an interesting little interaction between the two of them yeah completely because House doesn't give him an answer no and I think that's really revealing it's like a bit of a blind spot well it's this and that 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 is something that's explored but yeah they they bring up the the show consistently does that. It like hints to something and then a couple of episodes probably explores it. It does it with Wilson's affair and like Cameron's backstory and like Foreman's kind of like, you know, resentment to House, House's methods. But it um, it's just doing it here. I, I agree. I completely agree. And it's nice that you've spotted it because it's a really nice way of doing it. It's this. um, And also it kind of shows like, you know, House doesn't say, oh, I take six pills a day and this is why. Like, it's just. I'm in pain. It helps me function. It's this whatever works because that's what they're both about. It's just like just staying alive so you can just keep doing things that you love. 
doing something so that he feels as though he's in control. I don't know. His addiction is really complicated. And it's really emotionally deep. And I'm really interested. I'm very much interested to see. Again. How that progresses. Because it's very, very dark. Yeah. Uh, this this is like. I mean, I feel, I feel like we're getting into like summarization here. But uh, this is this is just a fantastic episode yeah um it just like it hints at future episodes with house's addictions it like is really focused on foreman like you see you have like an episode like the socratic method which kind of you know it kind of you know shows like foreman's reaction to alcoholism and it kind of does it as like a, it kind of, it has that as a subplot and it's a great subplot and it's really well explored, but. That's Chase, isn't it? Yeah, oh, Chase, sorry. Yeah, like you see Chase's like response to alcoholism and it's kind of like it's there and it's a great subplot within the episode and it adds a lot. But this is what happens when you spend an entire episode focused on one character. Like Foreman gets the limelight here. Yeah, he does. In the same way that Cameron did in a, a maternity. Like Foreman is front and center here almost more than the patient like it's really they're really diagnosing foreman <laughs> yeah and what he wants and it's um i mean then you have that and then you have like the like comparison between the patient's obsession with music and houses and that reveals more about like houses like way of life and then you have like you have the funny clinic scenes and then you still have this entire like you know court scene where you see house playing the system and then you have like all this other stuff about Hamilton, the doctor, and then comparing him to House. There's so much like focusing and like drawing in on different characters and how they relate. And it's just it's fantastic. The fact that they do that in about 45 minutes while diagnosing a like medical problem yeah. is which is then like related because the whole medical problem is based on like these different methodologies and how these doctors like work differently. This is uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it was an uh, the the ultimate cause of um, Giles's problem was an arterial venous malformation. So it's where uh, the artery and the vein uh, connect to each other without the use of capillaries, mm. and it can cause issues. It's largely asymptomatic if it appears elsewhere, but it appeared in the spine. And that was one of the reasons why he could, that was the reason why he couldn't use his legs. Is that yeah. It was uh, impact. It was impacting on the central nervous system and preventing any communication between his legs and the rest of his central nervous system. Well, but I just wanted to say on the court system, another with the court, the court scene is that it alludes to a style of writing that appears in house a lot which is the kind of clever subversion um mechanic that they use which is the he's in court he stands up he's been chafing at the formalities of the court system where he's he's trying to represent himself he's making a size trying to clarify things without using his attorney <laughs> um, but 
he then there's this audience subversion thing that occurs where house as you said earlier he diagnoses the uh, judge as having clubbing in his fingers which is a sign of heart disease and says have you ever had any family history of heart disease and you think oh wow even he can't switch off he needs to use this he's kind of forced to help heal people in a kind of miraculous way it's like wow he just he's doing some good and maybe this might help him with the court system because he's doing a good thing and it makes him look like a good person and therefore maybe the judge will be more preferential to his judgment which is a completely naive way of thinking about the legal system by the way yeah that you can do that <laughs> but the whole point is to make the audience think well wow he can he can just do that um, and he's doing a good thing, so maybe he'll get a good result. He gets a good result, but the audience version is that, no, nah, I made it up. Think, oh, <laughs> yeah. he didn't do a good thing. He just he did a good thing so that he get... He did the bad thing of largely um, fabricating something as a means to distract the judge from making probably a sound judgment by preying on his mortality... And then, <laughs> and then getting a good result out of it, um, which is just <laughs> crazy. Um, but he, d- in in House's ethics, he doesn't see it that way. He just sees it as a means to helping the patient and also solve the problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's this revelation that, as you say, like you mistake it that he has a healing. A desire to heal that he can't turn off. Yeah. But it's when Wilson says you have a Rubik's complex. It says, oh, actually, he, the thing he can't turn off is not his healing desire to heal. It's his desire to just problem solve. And being in a court case is a problem that he needs solving. How can he do that? Well, it will just trick the like judge using any means necessary. And it just turns out that he knows a lot about um, he knows a lot about like medicine. Mm. So he knows that he can emotionally manipulate him. If House was like a gangster, he'd have like set it up so somebody went round the judge's house and threatened him yeah. with like or, or threatened his family. Like it's just like he's just using the skills he has. And yeah, you're you're right. It's a really nice way to demonstrate. But but, that. It, but it's a good audience subversion tactic. It's a nice little yeah. writing device to bring in. Kind of totally. It also brings it down to earth a little bit. It doesn't make you. It's it's a reminder of saying, well, this is not a. You know. A, a nice world in a way this is spit and sawdust this is you do what you can to get things done it's very cynical uh, yeah that's the word i'd use it is a very cynical worldview being projected by that audience version but it's cool I, and i just wanted to say that because it was something that we didn't we covered kind of lightly but i think it's just to highlight something that writers especially in this series, use a lot, is the audience subversion tactic. Making you think one thing and presupposing one thing and actually, no, you fool. I felt that when I watched it for the first time. I no, thought, totally. Oh. I, I'm glad you went back to it because it's like, it's, I mean, like, we, we, I mean, I've been saying, oh, you know, it's great writing, but that, that is a perfect example of good subversion. 
Um, no, I'm glad you went back to it because, yeah, I mean, like, if you ever needed a case study for how to write an interesting scene, then that is it. Because I think in a lot of other shows, that court case might have just been some other stupid stuff that happened to keep it mm -hmm. interesting. And, like, that's how you have okay. an interesting subplot that then you do something with. Like, we learn a lot about House in that, in that moment. Like, we're still getting to know House. I mean, the more when we're talking about the series, I have to, I have real trouble, like, because House is such a fully formed character at this point. But, like, this is episode nine. Like, we don't know half the stuff. Like, there's loads of other things which are mentioned later. And this is just, like, a really good way to just introduce that kind of dirty like kind of tricksy element of house that we've we've seen but not to that extent where he's like diagnosing people yeah. with like <laughs> like you know death sentences when they're just trying to do their job um and i just wanted to like a just a final thing for me um i think you you've summarized the general plot but I just wanted to emphasize the broader themes and also my own, a little bit, my own take on what I see this episode is about. I think this is an episode where we learn, we learn a lot about Foreman, but I feel like we learn a hell of a lot about House. We learn a lot about how he thinks. We learn a lot about the mechanics and rationale behind how he thinks things through. His worldview is on display here in a way that you get hints of, but it's never really fully displayed like this, that he's intrinsically motivated. He's willing to sacrifice human relationships or the potential for human relationships, as well as the comforts that can be provided by his vocation by taking an easier route. He could have lived a life that was a lot more easier, a lot easier for him, a lot more comfortable. And he's completely foregone that. And we learnt that through his interactions with Giles. He just can't do it any other way. And I think we've learnt also that the way that the, this episode is constructed, there are like several layers of interaction going on. You have the the mirror being held up to house with Giles as a character. We see um we see a kind of a weird Moriarty to Holmes interaction between uh Hamilton and House. Marty. Marty. Mamayati. Um Maybe. Are they playing that word trickery again? Maybe not Moriarty, because Moriarty is actually intrinsic... As a character, he's intrinsically motivated to create criminality. But um, there's like a diametric opposite between House and Marty in the sense that between them, we see the... the extrinsic... Um, the extrinsically motivated um, way that medicine can be done versus House's intrinsically intrinsic model, and they're coming up ahead. Mm. And that's all being mediated through the conflicts between Foreman, between two pars, between House and Hamilton. And then at the most basic level, you see the conflicts between House and Foreman 
because he makes a decision. In fact, he makes a decision the moment he doesn't resist the intubation. Yeah, that's a good but point. He makes a decision to stay with House because he's seen how these two types of two sets of motivations work and he would much prefer House's model than Marty Hamilton's model. Yeah, he, he chooses meaning. Yeah, and he also chooses conflict. He chooses to stay with House despite the fact that he... And House makes it very clear, I'm going to have a go at you when you're wrong. He chooses conflict <laughs> as a means to practice his profession rather than the kind of consensus or um, lack of conflict that governs Marty Hamilton's realm of operating in medicine, which is kind of just say, yeah, you did a great thing. The patient's dead. We did what we could. We'll let it go. Yeah. And I, I quite like as well that Marty uh, Hamilton throughout the whole thing, like, isn't, isn't like a stupid character as well. No, he's a good character. Yeah. He's, he's like, clever he, man. That like there's, there's, there's like lots of elements to him that are very preferable and you you understand why Foreman might want to be like him. I, I, yeah. Sometimes we've talked about how the show has a habit of making certain characters stupid so House can just win an argument simply. But yeah, there's a proper conflict here because Marty is like fundamentally a nice man. He gets on with everyone. He means well. He's not like evil. He just he's, like... He's zero conflict. He his His operating model is no conflict whatsoever. He wants no conflict at all. Hmm. He wants to just go through life and treat the patients. If they live, great. If they die, they die. There's nothing more you can do. It's just the way of life for him. But as we see in House with a lot of characters, with the main characters like Chase and Cameron, Cuddy, Wilson, Foreman and House... They have to make. Sh they're giving a. They're given a choice, between two. In the end. Bad outcomes. There's the kind of materially, rewarding outcome, but spiritually slash, rationally shit outcome, <laughs> or there's the materially and socially shit outcome, but the, kind of vocationally really really good outcome and you've got to choose but it's a hobson's choice you choose one you lose something you lose one part of yourself if you choose one thing or you lose the other and there's no right really how sees it as a right and a wrong choice but really the characters have to make a sacrifice to proceed with either one yeah and that's great. That's great writing when you yes. have when you get to the point where you can write a sophisticated situation where they have to make that choice. Hmm. And that to me is what makes House really, really good. I also very well said, Gaz. That's a fantastic analysis of that like interaction. Yeah. Oh, but uh yeah, I also wanted to um add on. Um like I don't, I don't, I assume, I assume this is like incorporated um, for a reason. But we know that Foreman's background is that he comes from quite an impoverished background. Mm. I think the 
what 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 gives like an extra level of depth to Foreman, which isn't necessarily pointed out in this episode um, or many episodes, I don't think. But um, yeah, like Foreman, because he has had a life of such want, like he, you know, he tried really hard to be a doctor and be great because he wanted to escape that like class system. And you can kind of see Hamilton is kind of what he's been aspiring to. They're sitting around having nice lunches, talking about the things that they could do, you know, the money that they could make. You know, there's like a, there's a luxury, there's a comfort there that he hasn't had. Yeah. And it's like House is trying to show him that there's more to life than that because he's been so focused on trying to get those things. And House is saying, look, it's not about the money. There's there's meaning beyond that even though that's what you've been chasing and it's it's not brought up in the episode but i think foreman the fact the fact that he's been characterized with that background really adds like an extra um like level to foreman i don't i don't think it would i think it would be interesting if like cameron or chase were having that problem as well but like cameron and chase don't have that extra like the extra addition to their character background like it makes sense that Foreman is struggling to choose between the kind of obsessive, like do medicine because you love it and the like extra level of material like gain, which Hamilton is like expressing as being a good reason to be a doctor. Like Chase has lived a nice life. You know, it, it wouldn't be as interesting if Chase was just driven by, oh, and you know, I can make some money and like go golfing. Like, that's something that Foreman's been fantasizing about his entire childhood, you know. But House is kind of showing him that there's more to life than that. Oh, I, I didn't see it from that. I didn't reflect on it in that kind of socioeconomic context. But that's really interesting. But well, it's, it's I, not brought up in the is, show, but I I feel yeah. I can I can totally imagine the writers were, were thinking that because it fits too well. Yeah. And um, well, it's, 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 it's one of the uh, simple. You've diagnosed one of the diseases plaguing Foreman. It fits well. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah. I mean, unless you've got something else to discuss, Gaz, I that I thought that was a fantastic discussion on that episode. I think we've revealed that that is a great episode because yeah. that's by far the longest that we've just chatted about all of the elements of it, even more than the Scratic method. Oh, I didn't even notice. Um, cause uh, yeah, the difference between this and the Socratic method, I think we, what, what I found interesting was when we were talking about the Socratic method, we were, um, even we admitted it was quite a, like we were kind of all over the place in terms of, we were discussing bits and bobs and then trying to show how they connected. Um, but this, this was a great episode because you can, you can talk about it chronologically as events unfold, but there's still so many things to draw on. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a fantastic episode, and I assume you do as well. Oh yeah, I think it's uh, really well written. I think has so many themes going on, but the main central themes are so well imbricated together. They're kind of put together really, really well, and it's mm. solid. And they're good little hooks to keep you in. I mean, we didn't even get to discussing the uh, clinic patient because the main A plot was just so good. But I don't think we'll be like revealing too much by discussing that. I think we used our time quite sensibly to kind of yeah. Well, that that, cl the... that 
that clinic patient is just it, it's it's a skit and it's a great way to break it up but uh, the rest of the episode is so great and full that it's not yeah like talk, talking about the clinic patient would be an anticlimax almost yeah i think so because it's just such a silly like it's such a silly like funny um like scene uh and that's like in the context that i think in a Maybe in like if it was last episode, we would talk more about it because we'd want to like chat about some stuff. But uh, yeah, I almost feel like, you know, talking about the diabetic in denial wow, <laughs> who's in yeah. the clinic is like, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing. There's In comparison, there's not enough there because the rest of the episode is so good. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm not saying the clinic scene takes away from the episode. It adds a funny scene onto the rest of it. And it, it doesn't like... I didn't feel like anything was underdeveloped by having it there. It's just like it's just it's just a great episode with so much to talk about that yeah, like we didn't get to it for a reason because they did we didn't need to. Yeah, the A plot was so strong. We had to kind of use our time, how little we have, to just focus on that. And I think if you're really interested in the clinic scene, I'm sure you can find a pal to discuss it with. Uh but We'll leave yeah, that for I mean, you guys to work out. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, well, thanks very much, Gaz, uh, for joining me in talking about DNR. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Absolutely. Well, this show will uh, is not DNR. We will be resuscitating it <laughs> next week, same time, Monday morning, BST. And we'll, uh, we'll see you then with... Um, Hopefully we can have as much of an interesting discussion about the next episode. Amen to that. See you then.